are about to listen to Where Your Treasure Is, the podcast where faith and finance meet. Please note that the views expressed are our own and in no way represent any form of financial advice. And remember, investments can go down as well as up. Happy listening. Welcome to Where Your Treasure Is. Can you believe it? We have made it all the way to season five. And this season, we're going to be talking about giving, which we already introduced in season one, episode five. Which was a long, long time ago now, Bex, wasn't it? I mean, years ago, arguably. And so we're now going to be expanding the topic to give it the time it deserves and record a whole season on giving. So Simon, what are we going to cover in this season? Well, I can tell you what we're planning on covering. Where our conversation goes, nobody knows. So we might cover a few more things than this as well. But to give us a bit of context, a bit of framing, I thought we would talk about why we give, what we can give, how best to give, and that might be a bit more of a technical session, when to give, some of the impacts of giving, and also how much we should give, which I know is a perennial issue for many of our listeners and other people as well. Wonderful. So it sounds like we're covering all the basics of giving and really digging into the topic much more because so often, particularly as Christians, we can talk about giving in a kind of vague sense without really exploring the practicalities in terms of the why, but also what that actually looks like in our day-to-day lives. And this is a faith and finance podcast. So yes, we're going to talk about some faith issues, but what will become very clear very quickly is it's not only Christians that give. This topic could be quite relevant for all sorts of people and especially the bits around how best to give. So listeners out there, you might decide that although the content does have a spiritual slant, this could be worth passing on to people that you know who are also philanthropic by nature, those who do like to support charities. And ultimately, we would love to create and stoke a culture of generosity and we don't want to limit that to just Christians. So let's get started with why to give. Simon, you are the man with all the figures. Can you hit us with some stats? I love some stats. So for this episode, I've gone to a number of different sources for some stats. We've gone to a report by the Charities Aid Foundation. They do an annual report for the government. And we've also got some stats later on from the government themselves. So let me throw these things out at you just to get a sense of the scale of the issue of giving. And these are all UK figures. So in the year 2022, the Charities Aid Foundation indicated that over 12.7 billion, that's billion with a B, billion pounds, that's nine zeros in our numerology, 12.7 billion pounds was given to charities. That's up about 20% on the year before. Now, actually, 2021 was quite a poor year. And a lot of that giving in 2022 was related to the war in Ukraine. That gave it a significant boost. But actually, the number of people who gave didn't increase. We'll come to that later. Now, you'd expect giving to increase year on year because of the effects of inflation. If everything costs 10% more, then you kind of have to give 10% more just to be standing still. Now, the problem is that across maybe five or six years, donations to charities have stayed pretty static in financial terms. Up and down, yeah, a few billion each year maybe. But what that means is that in real terms, charities are getting generally less each year. About 54% of adults in the UK gave to charity, or at least said they gave to charity in 2022. And about half of those give on a regular basis, weekly or monthly. But actually, 
the amount they give isn't huge. The average monthly gift is about £20. That's per person, not per charity. So there's loads of it going on. People give money, people volunteer their time. About 16% of the population say they volunteer for charities, although that has been coming down. It's now down to about 13%. That's like one and a half million people fewer volunteering. And charities still need people time and not just people's money. So it's really clear people do give in different ways to charity and leads to the question, why? And so in the Christian Aid Foundation report, it also gave us an indication on some of the reasons why people give. So 96% of people said they gave to charity because they felt a sense of duty to give back to society and to tackle inequality by using their own good fortune to help others. 75% said the main reason was because they identified with a specific cause and felt passionate about it. Then 71% of donors indicated their religious values were a key motivation. And then 61% of people spoke of a personal life-changing experience that sparked their giving. So already we can see a lot of interesting themes there about personal values, personal experience being a real motivating factor. But let's look a little bit deeper into some of the reasons why people give and maybe why they should give. Let's start with those, let's say, spiritual or or faith-driven reasons. Now, in that report, it didn't specify which particular faith we were talking about. So the stats were 71% of those reported faith was an element of the discussion, of of the reason they gave. And if you apply that to the 54% of people who think that they give or say they give, That's about a third of the population are giving for some kind of faith-based reasons. So if we narrow it now down into the Christian faith and we look at the Bible, that's our our source report, our reference material for giving. And we've said this before, there's about 2,350 different verses in the Bible that talk about money and wealth and possessions. And of those more than 10%, about 299, I say about, I might have miscounted, are related to the topic of giving in some respect. Now that makes the topic of giving about three times as common in the Bible, New and Old Testament, than topics of investment and saving. And I spend a lot of time talking about investments and savings. Maybe I should talk three times as much about giving. It's a very interesting concept. I wonder what your job would look like if you switched it right. A financial planning giver. I'm not sure if that works, but we, we can work on it. We'll workshop it later. Perhaps 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 11 gives the clearest explanation of giving though. And it says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided to give in your heart not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness." You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, I think that particular line about 
you should give whatever you decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, is particularly interesting when we contrast that with the sense of obligation that many of us feel. So Simon, could you talk to us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, we've picked out there just one section of the Bible. It's New Testament. It's a letter from Paul. It's not Jesus speaking. It's not Old Testament. We could have gone to loads and loads of places, Bex. And certainly there are parts of the Bible where it seems that giving is an obligation, a duty. In fact, it could be a law, certainly in the Old Testament. But the New Testament teaching seems to shift slightly towards almost the responsibility of giving, even the joy of giving or the blessing that comes from giving. But like you say, let's start with that sense of obligation. I've certainly felt it at times in the past. You know, I have to give. There's an expectation that I give. I think some of that maybe came from my upbringing in the church, maybe as a young person and how I heard that teaching coming out from the pulpit, possibly even my upbringing within the family. We were expected to be generous. Perhaps even some of us were taught the tithe, the 10%. That's what God expects. That's what the Bible says you should do. That's what Christians have to do. And we did touch a little bit about the tithe way back in that season one, episode five on giving. And we summarized that there's a lot of debate around what the tithe actually was. But the more that I've dug into this topic in the Bible over the years, the more I've come to the conclusion that God instructs us to give because actually it's really good for us. It's not something that he needs us to do. What does it say in Psalms? He owns the cows on a thousand hillsides or something like that. Everything is the Lord's and we get to partake in the stewardship of what he has given us. So what I've managed to do, I've taken some information from a lovely book. It's a money devotional by a guy called Mark Lloydbottom. And he's listed these seven reasons why, biblically, scripturally, it is good for us to give. So number one, giving makes us more like Jesus. Jesus is the epitome of giving. He gave himself for us and to save us from our sins. Number two, giving draws us closer to God paying our attention to him and and his desires for the resources he's given us. Number three, giving breaks the grip of materialism. And materialism is this sin which is pervasive, certainly in the Western world. We always seem to be fighting our own desires for more stuff. If you can hold money lightly, you are breaking the grip that materialism might have on your life. Number four, giving strengthens our faith. If we give away, we depend more on God to provide. Number five, giving is an investment in eternity. As they say, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead of you. And when we give to the right cause, for the right reason, we are storing up treasures in heaven. And as we know, Bex, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And number six, giving blesses us in return. And we will touch a bit more on this later on. An interesting angle there. When you give, you are blessed. And finally, number seven, giving enhances our contentment. Again, we'll touch on this later on. It is good to give for a whole lot of reasons. So what I'm hearing from that, Simon, is that while there is maybe an obligation or an instruction in the Bible to give, 
we're not doing that out of a sense of duty or to earn God's love, but actually it is our heart response to what God has done for us. Ultimately, our salvation doesn't depend on us at all. It's nothing that we've done, but it's everything that Jesus has done. And so if we were judged on our generosity, I think we would all fall short. But instead, we give out of the love that God has shown us. And because we want to partner with him in bringing the kingdom, whether that's through the local church or whether that is through other charities that we also see are bringing God's kingdom here on earth, whether they are Christian charities or not. I think that's a great way of putting it, that we get to partner with what God is doing. God is always at work and he invites us to come and join him. And sometimes that joining requires giving, giving of our time, giving of our expertise or giving of our money. In fact, thinking back to a quote by Martin Luther, this goes back a long way. He used to speak of three different conversions. There is the conversion of the heart. In our hearts, we kind of know and we believe it. The conversion of the mind. We start thinking in more Christian ways. We think about things from God's perspective. But thirdly, and just possibly for some people, most importantly, the conversion of the purse or the conversion of the wallet. Only once someone has their financial affairs right before God, their attitude to money, their attitude towards giving, were they truly converted because that was their faith being put into action. Now, let me pose a question for you, Bex. That's one side of obligation. Does the Bible oblige us to give? What about when somebody approaches you, maybe rattling a tin or more likely these days asking you to fill in a standing order or direct debit and they want some money from you? I certainly felt that moment of obligation. Here you are asking for money. I feel I must give. Do you have that experience too? I definitely have done. I feel I've now made decisions that allow me to respond to that in a more sensible way now or a more thought through way. So I would have a couple of things going through my head. Firstly, if somebody is asking me to set up a standing order, I'm never going to do that on the day. I'm going to take some time to research that charity to make a decision because if I'm committing to giving monthly, then I want that to be thought through and prayed through and for those numbers to balance. If it's a one-off donation, that has a slightly different set of criteria. But one thing that I found really helpful is to have a pot of money set aside in my bank account where I'm paying in regularly. I think it's called something like spontaneous giving. And so I know at some point, and I think I've stolen this off you, Simon, so thank you for the tip, that I'm going to give that money away. But the question is where to? And so sometimes there may be a particular charity that's either local or something like the war in Ukraine pops up and you feel like, yes, that feels really important to give to. Sometimes it might be someone in my own life who it just feels like the Lord's prompted me to give to them. But that's how I've dealt with it rather than making an immediate emotional decision. That's such a great approach because you're following those guidelines from the 2 Corinthians 9 verses we spoke about earlier. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So you've put that money into a separate pot, a separate bank account, and then when the time is right and when the request is right, you can give cheerfully because you've already chosen to give the money. You're now just choosing who to give it to. That's brilliant. And it's so much fun when you get to give that money away. So I've got another uh, suggestion. This is something that I've done and even had to practice this just yesterday. 
Occasionally you're approached by somebody and they're raising money for a cause, probably a professional fundraiser. You know, people like you are giving just three pounds a week. Would you be up for doing that as well? They have the patter down. They're pulling on all the right emotional levers. And you can think, well, it's a good cause. I do think this is important. How do you say yes or no deliberately? And so what I've come up with is a giving policy. And these are the rules and regulations that I try and stand by when me and my family, we give money away. So number one, I like to think, well, is this a Christian charity? There are loads of good causes out there and loads of people give. We've seen that already. But generally, it's more so Christians that give to Christian charities. And most Christian charities have at least an element of preaching the gospel, evangelism, whether it's environmental or mental or physical, whatever the cause is. So I like to give to Christian charities. Number two, do I have a personal connection with that charity or with somebody associated with it? I don't want to give the money and just have that sense of I've done my duty. My obligation has been met. I want to be connected through my money with the cause. And therefore, three, I want to get some feedback. If I'm giving money, and like you say, Bex, especially giving money regularly, how am I going to hear about the work that's being done? I want to be holding them accountable to some extent for what they say they're going to be doing. So I have those three main rules, but I have a veto. And my veto is this, is the person who is asking me somebody I want to support and encourage, irrespective of the charity. And that might be a young person from my church or from the street I live in. It could be a colleague. And I say, you know what? I want to support you in what you're doing to raise money. And then I will give, like you say, a lump sum typically rather than setting up a regular amount. I hope that's helpful. I love that. That's really helpful. And I think it's raised the interesting question of when we're talking about our giving and particularly when we talk about a percentage, be that 10% or something else, do we give that all directly to the local church or are we looking to also partner with different charities? I'd love to hear your wisdom on that. Well, I think that's worth parking for a future episode. Who should we give to? I think it's a really big question, one we can debate to and fro. So let's write that one down. And later in season five on giving, we'll come back to who, who do we give to? And maybe the why of who as well. Why do we give to those churches, charities, and other parties? If that's okay with you, Bex. Yeah, I don't want to get too carried away too soon in the season. (laughs) We'll be here forever. I want to introduce another concept for you. I mentioned this earlier in those seven reasons why it's good to give. Two of them related to the blessing that comes back to us or the increase in contentment. Now, that's not just because the Bible says we'll be blessed if we give. There is a whole body of scientific evidence not carried out by Christians with no religious overtones trying to identify the relationship we have with money. And one of my favorite little books about money is called Happy Money. It's by Elizabeth Dunn and Michael Norton. And what they did a few years ago was pull together all the scientific research. I say all, okay, quite a lot of it, and bring out five key ways in which we can use money to try and enhance our happiness. Like the classic question, can money buy you happiness? Well, the answer is generally yes, it can, to a degree. So what are the five ways that they speak about? The first four kind of make sense. Buy experiences rather than buying stuff. Lots of us have enough stuff, but buying an experience, we create memories, which generally last longer and add more value, so the science says. Number two, when you are buying stuff, make it a treat. Don't buy it every day. Otherwise, you kind of lose the satisfaction. 
complacency kicks in. When you spend money on treats, they have more value for what you're spending. Number three, buy time. Now, time is the one thing we can never get any more of. But we can spend our money creating time to spend with those we care about doing the things we enjoy doing. So buying time is a good way to invest your money in your happiness. Number four, pay now, consume later. Now that's the opposite of the buy now, pay later culture. And the reason here is the anticipation of getting something you've paid for already or maybe experiencing something like a holiday you've paid for in advance enhances the whole enjoyment rather than having to pay for something that you did a year ago and you're still paying off. So there's the first four. But the fifth one, and this is the one which I think is most unexpected, is that to buy happiness, you should use your money to invest in others. Isn't that odd? Mm, didn't see that one coming. Well, you did because we were talking about giving in this whole podcast. But apart from that, I didn't the first time I read it. So they quote this survey from Gallup. It was a world survey. It was done several years ago now. 200,000 people in 136 different countries of all levels of wealth and income. And the conclusion that Gallup came up with was really interesting. Those who give to charity are happier than those who don't, number one. But the level of happiness that they achieve is like doubling their household income. So imagine how much you earn right now in your household... And then imagine having twice as much of that. Would that make you happier? Well, it would a bit, yes. Or you can give some money away and achieve that same amount of happiness. Now, that is astonishing. And how fascinating that that applies to so many different cultures, so many different levels of income, that it's not just for people from a particular sector of society or from a particular set of values as a country. Yeah, you apply it across different levels of wealth and personal income and even faith backgrounds. Giving is good for the soul. And the science says so. So maybe we should be getting this out to people. Give more makes you happier. You can test that out and get back to us with what you find. Another reason why we might decide to give is because of society. If giving away money makes you feel good, but is also having a positive impact on society, then it feels like a win-win situation. And I think especially as we look out on the world today and we can see a whole swathe of crisis, it's often said that we live in a state of perma-crisis at the moment where we're going from bad situation to worse situation, then why would we not choose to spend some of our money towards combating some of those problems? And I think many people who do give to charity, even subconsciously, realise that giving is enjoyable, especially when it isn't out of a sense of guilt or compulsion, but instead when they are seeing things that they're passionate about or needs in their community and are able to interact with them and see a positive change. So an example of this giving is through food banks. According to a House of Commons report, there were 2,500 food banks operating in the UK in 2022. More than half of these are operated by the Trussell Trust. And the Trussell Trust's own annual report states that in 2022, they gave away almost 3 million emergency food parcels, which was 37% more than the year before. And that 760,000 people used one of their food banks for the first time. And we can see this principle of food banks all the way back in the Old Testament. The books of Leviticus and Deuteronomy and also in Ruth, 
where the Israelites were commanded to provide food for the poor, the foreigner and the widow. And some of this was by way of gleanings where people left grain or grapes or olives on harvest. But some of it was also by way of a tithe, which we can see in Deuteronomy 14, 28 to 29. And we can see that this compassion for the poor still exists today, even if it's not always motivated by religious belief. And we know full well that Christians don't have the monopoly on goodness, on good behaviours. Absolutely not. But we want to encourage those who share our faith, maybe to go even further. And we've probably come across certain people around you who just seem to be naturally generous. They find it easy, whether it's giving money away to charity, if you see them do it, maybe they do it in secret, or they're paying for a meal or they're giving gifts. It's just natural for them. And in my experience, those same people are generally really content with their lives. In fact, I can't think of one grumpy person I've come across that is also naturally generous. If we go back to the Bible again, Romans 12, 6 to 8, this is the bit where it talks about there are different gifts and each of us are given the grace of different gifts. And if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy. If your gift is serving, then serve. And if your gift is giving, then give generously, it says. So there is a gift of giving. Now, my personal belief is that we don't all have all the gifts to the same extent. We've probably got more of some and less of the others. What is not an excuse is to say, oh, well, I haven't got the gift of giving. My gifts lie elsewhere. So I'm not going to do that, actually. I think the Bible's pretty clear. We're all called to give to some degree. But maybe you could pray that you would be able to give more, that God can change your heart. Or you can just exercise the discipline of giving more. And ultimately, throughout the whole Bible, what we see is a generous God. And if we are image bearers of God, then we want to reflect that in any way we can. And as you say, some of those aspects may come easier to us than others. But ultimately, we want to try and reflect every aspect of God's character in any way that we can. Now, Simon, there's another reason why we might give, and it's a reason that I find a little bit baffling. So I'm wondering if you could talk to us about tax relief and why giving might help us there. Tax relief on giving. Well, once again, Bex, I'm going to defer my answer to a future episode. Cheat. Because I could talk for a long time on this one (laughs) and we don't have another hour or two to go on this particular episode. Yes, tax can be relieved by giving in the right way at the right time. There's lots of different elements. In fact, I think we're going to spend a couple of episodes this season talking about how best to give. And this is not related to faith. It's a very practical aspect. The government encourages charitable giving. Clearly, it sees a lot of money coming into very good causes. According to the government in the 21-22 tax year, about £5 billion worth of tax relief was given back to charities and people. And so if you are one of those people who does give to charity, let's make sure that you're getting all the tax back you're entitled to. And if you're not someone who gives yet... Just maybe this could be the incentive to get you over the hump of deciding, well, I will give because you know what? It doesn't cost as much as you think it does once you take tax relief into account. Now, I think there's one final category that we haven't really touched on so far, which is giving to family. This is a slightly interesting category because it's not charitable giving or giving to good causes or to society or to benefit the community, but it's really about supporting those who we are closest to. And sometimes there can be a particular challenge with that. 
I guess, in terms of whether values align or how to be fair. And Simon, I imagine that you must have had several conversations about this in your professional capacity. So could you shed some light on maybe some of the dynamics or questions to think through when thinking about giving to family? Yeah, so often this comes up in later life, people late into retirement, they're thinking about what happens to their wealth when they die. And they are thinking about how do I pass it on? How should I pass it on? Yes, they're thinking tax efficiency, but they're also thinking about quite a lot of emotional and sometimes ethical issues. So some of the key questions that come up quite regularly are things like, how do I make sure I'm being fair to all my children? Won't me giving them money make them fail to understand the value of money? And it's quite typical that those who've earned money really value it. You know, it took a lot of effort. But those who are given money freely don't value it quite so much. This is money that I've saved up and I've worked hard for. So why should they get it without exerting the same time and effort? Or what if they become dependent on me giving them money? rather than earning it for themselves. That could be a backwards consequence to me being generous to them. And what happens if they come back in the future one day and ask for more, and I haven't got any more to give? Am I opening up a floodgate that can't be closed? And these are all very valid questions, and it does depend on the relationship you have with your children or your parents or your siblings even. And just maybe it's one of those moments where finding a third party to speak to It could be a friend. It probably shouldn't be a family member. Sometimes that's just too close. Maybe somebody from church or your pastor. Or if you've got one, even a financial advisor to say, can you just be a sounding board while I think and work through the implications? I've seen it done very well. And unfortunately, I've seen it done badly as well. Money, as we know, is a very emotional topic. And sometimes it's good to remove a bit of the emotion and approach things more practically. Thank you. That is so helpful. The whole last season, we talked about conversations with money and how to have them. And one of the things we recognized in that season is that actually money can be an incredibly emotive and difficult subject to talk about and to really look in the eye and make decisions about. And so maybe you're listening and you don't give at the moment, whether to church or to other charities, or you're not sure if you should, or perhaps you give from time to time, but you haven't made deliberate decisions about that or considered how you want that to look in your life. And so perhaps there's an invitation from the Lord to pray the prayer, Lord, help me want to give. And maybe if you're not there yet because you're worried if you pray that prayer that God might answer it, then perhaps you could pray, Lord, help me want to want to give. Because ultimately our giving isn't about how much we give, but really it speaks to the condition of our heart and how we are responding to the Lord in that place. Well, Bex, we've overrun slightly. Obviously, we wanted to give maximum value to our listeners in this episode. We're going to come back next time and talk about what to give. It's actually not just about the money. There's so many more things we can give. But if you're listening and you're thinking, you've touched on topics, I need more information, I'd like to hear more about it, please do feel free to get in touch. You can email us on where your treasure is at freerangepodcasting.co.uk or via our Instagram page where your treasure is podcast. And we look forward to hearing from you. And if not, you can look forward to hearing us next time we come back for where your treasure is. See you then. This podcast has been brought to you by Free Range Podcasting. Let us take you where you and your podcast want to go.